Apparently, according to Andrew, I have a new title. I'm now called Pastor Chuck. I don't think so, Tim. Anyway. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not Pastor Andrew, our lead pastor uh, in disguise. He is away with his oldest son, taking him to his next life adventure. And so um, I'm here today, and I'll explain a little more about that in just a minute. If you're watching online, I'd like for you, if you would, if you'd go ahead and go to uh, the sermon notes and download them or open them up. And all of you here should have something that looks like this. We're going to talk about that today. And if you have that in front of you, what I'm going to talk about will make a little more sense as we move along. So, how did I get here today? Well, Pastor Andrew knew that he wasn't going to be here today. And so, he starts looking around to see, hmm, I wonder who could step in and speak this Sunday. And he looked down the line, down the bench. I'm a basketball guy, and I'm a pharmacist, and you'll hear some of that. And he said, oh, my first substitute guy down there has got physical issues. He can't, he can't do this, physical health issues. And so he looks on down the bench a little further. There's one guy that might. And he looks down a little further, and he says, oh, there's another guy that might. So he sends those two guys, one of me, a text. And he said, would one of you be willing to? to speak, da-da-da-da, Sunday. And so I decided to wait about 15 or 20 minutes to see what happened. You know, delay, you know, you know what I'm thinking, right? <laughs> and nothing happened. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go ahead and respond. I told him, I'm not scheduled for anything this weekend, so if you need me, I, I'll do this. Well, come to find out, the other guy was on an airplane. That's why he couldn't respond. So, you know, that, that sort of did me in when I found that out later. But anyway, that's how I got here. So I'm about fourth down the line, fourth string, if you will. So if you give me a little grace today, I'm going to look at my notes a little more than Andrew and that kind of thing. Um, you'll see that. I'm also, being a pharmacist, I'm a, I like concepts. I like pictures. I learn that way. So that's why the diagram a little bit. And what I've titled this today is How God Made You. How are we put together, basically? And what I want to do is I'm going to read some verses here. Obviously, we don't have TVs today. We're still recovering from a lightning strike. So I'm going to read several verses. But if you've got a Bible and you want to refer to a particular verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 is where we're going to hang our hat a little bit. And I think that's actually on your handout as well. Ephesians 3.16 I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And I ask questions when I read a lot. What does inner being? What does that mean? Romans 7, 22, 23. For in my inner being, I delight in the law of God. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, Word and making me a prisoner of the law of sin working within me. <clears throat> Matthew twenty two thirty seven, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You ever wonder why Jesus didn't just say love God? Was there something else there? Maybe so. Psalms 139.14 tells us, I pray, praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So how are we put together? How are we made? How did God create humans? <clears throat> Hebrews 4.12, for 
For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing or the separating of the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, meeting totally and completely. May your whole, meaning all of you, your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body, be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So, what I'm about to, to share with you, I think, basically, it talks about being made up of three parts. The body, the soul, and the spirit. And I think the Christian's life supports this concept as well as does the non-Christian's life support the same concept. So, we're going to start at the body, outside and work in. <clears throat> How do we get information into our body? You're doing two right now. You're seeing and you're hearing. We also have smell, taste, and touch. And that's how we obtain information, and it comes in, in, into us. It's how we touch the world around us. We physically see things that way. And as information comes into the body, it is basically sent into the soul, and we'll get there with that in a minute, where it's either assimilated and used or assimilated and saved for later use. The question becomes is, what do you base that on when you keep you from misinterpreting it? John 1.17 tells us that truth comes through Jesus. So it's another thing to look at there. <clears throat> All right, the body. What would be the interpretation of the body? What would the body say? It says, if it looks good, pursue it. If it sounds good, listen to it. If it smells good, follow it. If it tastes good, eat it. And if it feels good, do it. Next month, third week of July, Wednesday, I will have been a Christian for 46 years. I know my exact day. Some people don't, and that's all okay. But here's the thing. Being the age I am, I grew up at the end of the hippie age. And one of the key phrases in the hippie age was that last thing I said. If it feels good, do it. Nobody succeeded doing that. They ended up in issues every time. So we need to watch for those kinds of things as well. The body is where basically physical abuse, having unhealthy diets for years, smoking, alcohol and drug misuse, uh, just being inactive and not care, taking care of yourself is, is where those kinds of things are. Uh, and physicians work in this area. You know, they, they work basically treating mostly symptoms of diseases. And you think about that a little bit. How many drugs actually cure diseases? There's not many. There's antibiotics is one you could think of. Anti-cancer drugs might be another example, and you certainly hope that they kill the cancer before they kill you because they can kill you. They're tough. And so those are examples of, of curative things. But as a whole... A physician treats symptoms of a deeper problem in a lot of ways. So we'll sort of pursue that here in a minute. The top drugs that are sold every year are anti-anxiety, 
psychotics, and gastrointestinal drugs. And I'll tell you, I've had some gastrointestinal drugs, so I, I'm in that ball game some. So why is that? You know, are physicians sometimes attacking those issues with surface tools when there's a more deeper problem involved? When you make decisions just based on the body, you're always in trouble. You know, some of us used to live that. We used to like that. You know, it feels good, do it. Let's go party. You know, you can control the party for a while, and then the party starts controlling you. And some of us used to live like that, and we liked it a lot. <laughs> and then we found out that in the end that there were some issues there. So let's move on to the soul here a little bit, and we're going to pull all this back together in a little bit. We get the word soul from the same word that we get psychology from, the base word. It involves the mind, the will, and the emotions. It's where we do our thinking and we do our evaluation of things. The soul might say for some reason that it's okay because I'm not hurting anybody. Or it might say, it's my life, I'll live like I want to. Nobody can tell me what to do. Problem is, we're social creatures, and everything we do involves somebody else in some way. It affects somebody else in some way. I see one of my friends over here thinking real good. That's probably good. I'll see what he says when we're getting done. <laughs> in our soul, we think, reason, consider, remember, we wonder. Our emotions, you know, love, sorrow, relief, anger, compassion, frustration, they're all there. And think about this a little bit. Right acting in the body does not create right thinking in the soul. It's coming in. We actually create right thinking creates right acting, which means the thinking inside coming out is the proper way to evaluate things. So basically the soul should control the body, and we're going to continue to go a little deeper with that. The question is, what do you base your thinking on? Is there a deeper truth, a better way to make decisions in life? Is there an absolute truth for all things, all times, all situations? That's tough because sometimes we struggle to try to find the answers to things. You know, people do things sometimes on purpose. And then there's some issues that come about. I'll give you a, a quick example here. You know, People say, I'm going to get even with so-and-so. I know y'all have heard that. Maybe you've done it. But do you realize that when you're trying to get even with somebody, that they're probably below you already? And if you're going to get even with them, that's the wrong direction. You want to stay where you are above them. So, you know, getting even with somebody is not a proper response. But when we do things, and then we know we shouldn't have, we tend to develop what I call one of three complexes. And we can spend a whole lot of time talking about these, but we're not today. I'm just going to sort of mention them. First one might be, God can't forgive me. And sometimes that's where people that become Christians start. But then you realize that God can forgive you. God's promises are there. The second one in the process might be that I can't forgive others, or others can't forgive me. And people get hung up 
in places like this. God doesn't require us to like the other person. He just requires us to forgive them and move on. And I'll tell you, I'll just give you another quick example of my own life. I didn't say the first service, but I had some struggles with my dad. He was a World War II veteran, sort of, you know, off to himself. He gave me everything I needed, housing, eat, all that kind of stuff, but he was emotionally absent. And it took me years to really try to figure out and completely get work through the why of that. And when I figured out the why, I was able to forgive him. He just did the best he could do with what he knew to do. That's what it comes down to. And my kids may be saying the same thing about me, you know. I, I don't know. But, but you do the best you can do with what you've got, and you have to realize that is your best. And again, somebody's done you wrong, you don't have to like them. You just have to forgive them and move on because it'll hinder you if you don't. The third one, and what I find to be sometimes the hardest one, it was the hardest one for me, is for me to forgive me. For me to totally understand that God has forgiven me so I can forgive me. And we really get hung up there sometimes. So those three things tend to be hindrances to moving on. And again, like I said, we could talk about those, but we don't have time this morning right now. So within the soul is a place that the psychologists and the psychiatrists work. You know, it deals with our, our thinking process. And obviously, there, there, there's this principle about whatever you fill your mind with, which is in your soul, affects your will and emotions. The old saying that I'm sure you've heard, garbage in, garbage out. If you fill your mind with worldly nothingness, what do you expect is going to come out? Worldliness and possibly nothingness. So what are you filling your mind with? It makes a big, big difference. You know, it's a deceptive concept or saying that, you know, everybody else is doing it. It must be the right thing to do. You know, you've probably heard that. I know I heard it from my kids when they were teenagers. But mama, daddy, everybody else is doing whatever. The thing is, fill in the blank. Only problem is, is I never met everybody. Who is he? Where is he? I want to talk to him. Nobody knows. And the fact of the matter is that everybody's not always doing a particular thing. Actually, if everybody's doing a particular thing, you ought to evaluate if it's the right thing to do because most people these days especially are not going down the right road. So you need to consider that as well. How do you measure the truth so you can figure out where you're going? How you measure that or how you determine that determines where you go, who you become, and even more so, what kind of baggage you create in your life. I thought about getting a big old backpack up here and one I could barely hold up and talk about baggage in life. Maybe that's another time. But you realize you can actually take some of that junk out as you grow in, in Christ and throw it away. It makes your your burden lighter when you're able to work through that forgiveness process. How long has that been going on, all that struggle since Adam and Eve? I mean, it's pretty simple. We all do that. And you realize that Satan actually spoke to Eve verbally? I don't know that he does that today, but he can sure mess with us in our minds. He can surely get in our emotions and mess with our emotions in that area maybe you know identify with Paul and Peter a lot in a lot of different situations because they were very human they were very much like many of us 
Paul's talking in Romans about this, this uh, chapter 7, verses 18, 19. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Sort of sounds like our struggles, doesn't it? So very humanistic. Okay, let's move on to the spirit, the inner part here, and then we'll come back and put this together a little bit. The spirit's made up of the conscience, the intuition, and fellowship of God. That's why that happens. The one thing a lot of people don't realize is that humans are the only thing that God created that has a spirit. And that's an important thing to remember. Humans are the only thing that God created that has a spirit. Genesis tells us that we were created in God's image. And it talks about we. It talks about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit helped create us. That's in the spiritual realm, of course. So when we activate our spirit by asking Jesus into our life and letting the Holy Spirit come into our life, it, it activates our spirit. And we tend to act and react to things differently than we used to. Um, there's an absolute truth for all things and all times. Admittedly, it's difficult to find sometimes. It's difficult to understand, but it's there. You know, people try to fill this area in their life with all kinds of things. Uh, money, status, you know, so, social situations, building a business, uh, Sex, knowledge, selfishness, having the biggest house, having the nicest new car, just on and on and on, trying to fill that, that area. But what happens there? The only thing that fits in that hole is the Holy Spirit. Everything else is like putting a round peg in a square hole. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't fill the emptiness that's there. Only the Holy Spirit can fill that place. You know, you can have everything, all the right tools. You can be the... Tall, dark, and handsome guy. Not me, obviously. And you can have all the money and all the extra stuff, but you still got the emptiness because there's something else missing in there, and that emptiness is in that spirit. You have to fill that up. You know, nothing, knowledge really doesn't mean a whole lot if it's not properly applied, and that's called wisdom. And, you know, us having a spirit, that this basically becomes how we were fearfully and wonderfully made through that. So how does this fit together? What does it mean? How do we put this together in, li in living life? The end of life, what really matters? It's, it's how many other people you have positively affected in, during your life. If you're only interested in you, then I have to ask, are you necessary? If I was only interested in me in this church fellowship, nobody would care because I'm just interested in me. I'm not interested in my else, and that's not the way we're supposed to be. Psalms 23, 5 tells us <clears throat> uh, my cup or my life runs over, overflows. I'm not sure how you ever memorized it. So for your life to overflow in other people, you have to be full, obviously. And it has to be a point that you can't contain God in your life anymore. The, the goodness and blessings in your life, they spill out onto other people. Everything you have is not all yours. 
you will use what you have to help other people. So when does that happen? It happens not when you know God. It happens when you know that you know that you know that you know it's the truth. And the truth is living in your life. You have to really know that for that to happen. Can you grow to that point? Yes. Will you grow to that point? That's up to you. Nobody else. So when you're growing in your spirit, it seeps out into your soul, into your thinking, if you will. And from there, out into your body and through your body. And you act different and say things differently. So let's, I want to look at the soul piece here a little bit more. <clears throat> uh, God's law, love, laws, and principles will affect the way you think. It'll affect the way you, you pursue things, and you won't keep it inside of you. You know, if in the emotion part, Satan can get in there, as I mentioned, and play around with you, confuse you, tell you you don't have anything to offer anybody else. You're not important. In God's kingdom, everybody has value. Everybody is important in some way. You may not totally understand, but everybody's important. Maybe you're not quite sure that you believe it's strong enough to be able to de defend your stance. That's common. Maybe you don't have to understand everything to do that. Just, just share what you know. Share your own story with somebody. You know, part of that is fear. And fear is believing something that has not happened is going to happen. And so tell me, what is faith? Is it not the same thing? Believing that something's going to happen that has not happened? So what's the difference? If you're a Christ follower, the difference is faith is from God and fear is from Satan. That's the only difference in them. They're actually the same thing. And when you realize that, you can address the fear part to a greater degree. The will part of your soul comes up. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. But with God's help and maybe somebody else alongside or maybe a mentor, you can do whatever you, that thing is. You can use the, the gifts that God, God's given you so that the rest of us can enjoy them along with you. Part of your mind. Your mind, when you become a Christ follower, goes from basically mindless, non-principled decisions to proven, truthful, biblically-based decisions that lead you down a road of successful Christian living. Um, it makes a difference having a positive significance, uh, positive impact there. And one way you do this you know, you get yourself in a situation, you know, you feel like you can't get out. One way that I found some success in doing this, and I'm just going to share you one quick example here of maybe how to do this, is find a verse in the Bible that applies to the situation you're in. And what I did is I changed it slightly to meet my situation without changing the meaning of the verse. And that's important. And I think this is on your handout, too. It's 2 Timothy 1.7. <clears throat> and this is an NIV version, just so you know. For God did not give us, or me, a spirit of timidity, 
but a spirit of power to achieve, love to share, and a self-discipline to go, to do, and to become what I need to be for God to succeed through me. Notice those are some action things in there. <clears throat> to go, to do, and to become, to grow. And that's an important way to maybe attack certain issues in your life. I would like to share a couple of things with you. I don't know that if you've, if you've heard this lady named Joyce Meyer or not. One of the best books that I've ever read from the title is called Battlefield of the Mind. It is one amazing book to me. And some of us guys, we don't like to listen to women. Okay, I'll admit. So I got two for you. Goliath Must Fall by Lou Giglio. You may or may not know who he is. He's a pastor in Atlanta. Most people know who Andy Stanley is. He was Andy Stanley's best friend from high school. So they've been together a long time. And there's another by Greg Rochelle called Winning the War in Your Mind. So there's several references there of things you can go look at and possibly use if you'd like to. <coughs> so when your soul is so full with God's love and principles, your cup overflows. And your life overflows to others through what I call the life gates or the five senses of the body. And you have revelation truth in your life. You know, things sound different. Your touch is different. You speak differently. You have a gleam in your eye. And I hadn't figured out the smell part yet. So if y'all get it figured out, you can let me know. I don't know if that means you have to take a bath every Saturday night or what. But anyway, if you can get that figured out, let me know. But it is different. If life is contained within you, you're all you-focused. And I, again, I have to sort of ask a question. Are you necessary if it's all about you? But you tend to be unfulfilled, and you tend to blame other people for where you are in life, your lot in life. So you, if you want to positively affect other people in the lives around you, you have to encourage them, obviously. Encouragement's a big deal. There was Truett Cathy, founder of Chick-fil-A, was doing a seminar for new employees one time, and he was talking about, you know, we need to encourage some of our employees. And somebody raised their hand and said, which ones do we encourage? And Truett Cathy's answer was, just check to see if they're breathing. We all need encouragement, every one of us. You know, it doesn't, it, from the least to the most, we all need it. So that, that too is one way that we can actually help people see Jesus working in our lives. You know, it's hard for me, since we don't have video, to explain this, but I'm going to try to. You realize you can grow your spirit, that center part, such that it starts overtaking your soul, the way you're thinking, your emotions and your will, so you react differently, such that your worldly part of your soul is going away and the spiritual part of your is growing bigger. And I think that's interesting that you can do that. Another way to sort of work through life situations and everything is something that Pastor Andrew actually alluded to last, last week. He didn't actually use a statement, but I'm going to use it today. I thought it was amazing he alluded to it last week. <clears throat> and again, it's something Andy Stanley said. And he's been using this for years in, with his wife, his kids, 
And, and he says, it's, it's made my life so much more amazing when I stop and I do this. And the statement is, in light of your past experience, your current circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for you to do? In light of my experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? Not what is the easy thing, not what is the quick thing, not what is the simple thing, what is the wise thing? He didn't say it was going to be any of those other simple, easy. He didn't say any of that, but what is the wise thing to do? And that means a lot in a lot of different situations. You know, putting all this together, I think Jesus sort of summed this up pretty good when he <clears throat> was quoted in John 3, verses 5 and 6. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one enters the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and spirit gives birth to spirit. So if you're living in that fleshly area that that body and maybe that worldly soul area that that's the flesh and you you get fleshly answers but if you want spiritual answers go deeper let God come into your life and listen to the Holy Spirit when he gives you urgings <clears throat> and maybe today you're you've understood a little bit more about who you are in Jesus and who God says you are. Maybe for the first time, you're understanding why you've been struggling in life and you can't get to where you need to get to or where you want to get to. Maybe for the first time, you've understood that you really do need Jesus in your life. So I'm going to say a short prayer. We're going to have a short, quiet time, and then I'll close, and then we'll have some more singing here, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, I just pray that we would all be able to know that your power in our life and how you can change our life and make us whole. I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit deep down inside of us. Help us to know you, to know who you are, and to know who we are. pray that we would move together as a church, that we would bring honor to you, that we would use and share our gifts <coughs> with each other, and that we would grow to know who we are in you. Amen. Amen.